Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. I see we have some visitors with us this morning, and we're certainly glad to have you. If you are joining us on social media, we're happy to have you as well. On behalf of the elders, we would like to thank you for your generous contribution this past Sunday for Focused on Missions. Uh, latest count was over $25,000 contributed for that, and I know some were on vacation, and so we're probably expecting additional checks to come in on that, but that's really going to help our mission effort. Today, we're going to be honored to have Brother Stephen Hodgen giving us our lesson Stephen is heading up our Super Sunday, our Super Saturday uh, Bible School, which will be this coming Saturday, and the elders have asked that he speak today to maybe motivate us to have a better Saturday. Also involved in our worship service today, Chris Langley will be leading the singing, Wayne Taylor will have the opening prayer, Todd English the scripture reading. Todd Sweeney will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper, and Guy Gardner will have the announcements and closing prayer. Just a reminder to the other elders, uh, ministers, and uh, deacons, there will be a meeting this afternoon at 2 o'clock of that group in the annex. Would you bow with me as we begin today? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can assemble this morning to worship Thee. We thank You for the bountiful blessings that You continually bestow upon us. We pray, Father, that as a congregation we would be pleasing in Your sight. Please accept our worship today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before I sit down... Uh, there's a friendship register on every pew. We'd like to get a record of everyone's attendance. Would you sign that and pass it down the row, please? As everyone comes in, we're getting a little technology. reason why the uh, monitor down monitors down front are not working so I'm going to try it with this computer here first song is I'll hail the power of Jesus name this is the one with the course let's sing all hail Thank <laughs> you. 
Would you bow with me, please? Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day and the many blessings you've bestowed upon us. We're thankful, thankful that we can assemble together to worship you and sing praises to your name. And Father, we are so thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose sacrifice on the cross made it possible for our souls to be cleaned from sin and for us to have hope of salvation. We pray, Father, that you will continue to bless the congregation here and, and be with our elders, our deacons, our song leader, our teachers, and all those involved in the work, Father, that you will give them guidance and keep them in your tender mercy and care. We pray, Father, for the sick and afflicted and all those whom it's our duty to pray for, especially of those of this number, Father, that if it be your will, they may soon be restored to their normal health and the station in life that they so desire. We pray, Father, that you will be with our military, our law enforcement, and our first responders as they protect us and watch over us to keep us safe. We pray, Father, that the war in Ukraine will soon cease, that peace may be restored, and the suffering there might soon end. We pray especially, Father, for those of the household of faith, that you will watch over them and be with them. And we pray for the people who are the victims of violence, Father. We know that many are in sorrow and suffering, and we pray, Father, that if it be your will, that you comfort them as much as you can. And we pray for Brother Hodgin today as he speaks to us. We pray that you'll give him a quick and ready remembrance of the things you prepared for them and that we as listeners may do so attentively and apply what he tells us to our daily lives as need be. And we pray for all our ministers that you will be with them as they work among us. And we pray for the mission work that is going on in the world today. And we pray for the for the work that's being sponsored by this congregation and the missionaries that are being supported that much and lasting good will come of their efforts. And Father, we, we pray for us as sinners that you will forgive us of our sins as we repent of them and wipe and restore our names once again to the book of life. We pray now that you go with us throughout the remainder of this service and throughout the days of our lives, that in the end we might be found faithful to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. The song of invitation today will be All Things Are Ready. It'll be on the screen only. And uh, the next song is the new song. Uh, we'll sing all three verses of this uh, song. And I'm not going to make us hold the note out as long as the chicken, D. But um, if uh, yeah, I was going to ask about the, the mic. Here, I can do this. Is this... Bobby, does this one work? Yes, it does. Okay, we're good. Um, but the very last song, we're just going to hold it out just a little bit longer. I want everybody, we're going to try to cut it off at the exact same time, and we're going to make this hall ring. Okay? 
So let's take a deep breath and let's sing this song. It thrills my soul to hear the songs of praise.
Good morning. As we think about God's purpose for us, thank you, Todd, for reading that passage to us. Think about God's plan, God's magnificent map that He's laid before us of things He wants us to do while we're here on this earth. That verse sums it up. We studied that passage last week. So as we remember what we talked about, the idea of going, we understand that as we are going in the life that God has blessed us, every day that He blesses us to get up and see the sunshine and live through uh, that day and feel the rain on our skin and then go to sleep at night and anticipate another dawn, Every one of those blessings, every one of those days, God in His mind has the idea of all of us going about doing that which we are doing. And while we're doing that, we are focused on something. Making disciples of all those with whom we come into contact. Making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that He's commanded us. It is that teaching that I want us to think about this morning. As we think about God's plan for us, the idea of teaching those with whom we come into contact, understand, making disciples, that's an outward thing. As we're going, we're looking for those opportunities and we are contacting others and influencing others and teaching others and allowing God to influence them with His truth and they become disciples. Their souls are washed clean in the blood of the Lamb and then they begin to do exactly what we're doing only at a different place in their lives. Then the inward comes, the idea of we need now to begin to teach those people, continue to teach ourselves, and they will teach others in all of those layers of God's mission of His plan begin to unfold. Now, as we think about that, our theme for the year, as you know, is the power of one. Let me make sure I see what's on the board here. As we see... God's uh, or our theme for this year, the power of one, we understand that God's word clearly uh, reveals God's perspective about the power of one. Now, we know that from another point of view, we're to to not to deny ourselves, that we're never to be selfish or vain or prideful, but it is not that of which I'm speaking this morning. But instead, the importance God 
places upon me as an individual. His perspective of the power of one. You know he has one. He must. Our theme verse. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ. Paul understood that he had a responsibility. In Ephesians chapter 4, when you begin reading about verse 4 and read through verse 7, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Now look at verse 7. But to each of us grace was given according to Christ's gift. Now have you stopped and let that sink in for a moment? But to each of us grace was given. Not the church as a whole, but to each of us. You see, you and I, we make up the church as a whole. So therefore, my responsibility, my part, my place, my role, my power of one to God must be important. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 27, at the end of a discussion about the body and a lesson about you and I as Christians in the church, he said, you are the body of Christ and members individually. You see, God's word reveals his perspective about the power of one But we are, I don't know if this is going to work. Next slide, please. Okay. So Lord willing, and I'll just do it that way. With that in mind, with God's mission, God's plan, God's perspective, we have an opportunity as we are going about thinking about ways to make disciples, as we are considering ways to teach one another, there is a particular event in which this congregation is going to be involved called Super Saturday Bible School that is taking place this Saturday from 9 to 2.30. Now, we'll talk about some of the specifics a little bit later, but as we think about that and those who come and participate and those who come and teach and those who come and work and those who come as children to learn, they're going to learn specifically about the power of one as they consider lessons from the life of Moses. They're going to learn about Jochebed. You might want to turn to Exodus chapter 2. We're going to look at a few verses there in just a few minutes. They're going to learn about a woman, beginning in verse 1 and 2, who had a child. He later was named Moses, by Pharaoh's daughter. But she had a child. And you're going to learn that that child was placed in the river and watched by a sister whose name is Miriam. And that child grew and was called Moses. And he eventually led his people out of the land of, of Israel, or out of the land of Egypt, the children of Israel. And you're going to learn the specifics about that all the way up to the crossing of the Red Sea because one day wouldn't be enough to study everything about Moses. But as we look at those things, though, we're going to think about, you're going to learn about what Jochebed did, decisions she had to make, things she did, things that Miriam did, things that Moses did. Now, as we think about... Super Saturday Bible School, call it what you want to, is we think about an opportunity to gather people together and teach one another and teach others, teach children and make disciples. And by the way, making disciples, sometimes we think that making disciples means that I'm simply going to give someone a card with the five uh, uh, parts, the plan of salvation, the five steps. They're going to obey it initially or immediately and someone's going to baptize them into Christ in this water and we're going to see it on Facebook or see it live and say amen and that's the end of the matter. But that wasn't the beginning of the matter nor was it the end. 
making disciples uh, begins the very first time that Sister Michelle holds a baby. Sorry, I didn't ask permission to call your name. Uh, holds a baby in that nursery and those who are with her. It, it continues when someone takes a child by the hand and says, Welcome to class. And it continues when someone meets them at the tack and says, Glad you're here for a Bible study tonight. And it goes all the way through that until they make that decision. Amen? I said amen. Because that's absolutely true. It's a process that we begin and we allow God to unfold and, and then we see it come to fruition. But with that in mind, I'd like for you to consider three things about the power of one. Number one, we see the power of one person, one participant in God's powerful plan. Please understand, making disciples and teaching one another, teaching them to observe all, that's God's plan. And Paul said it very correctly through the Holy Spirit in Romans 1 verse 16 that the gospel is God's power to save. Its power is what changes people's lives. Its power is what eventually is what brought you here today. And its power is what will make you what you're supposed to be and keep you where you're supposed to be and eventually take you where you want to go. Heaven. It's God's power through the gospel. But as we think about that, how does that disseminate? How does that, is, is that revealed, displayed, demonstrated? Well, in Exodus chapter 2, I invite you there just for a second. In Exodus chapter 2, if you look at verse 2, so the woman conceived, we, we learn that her name is Shachabed, and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, laid it in the reeds at the river's bank. You know that story. But then when you also uh, go a little further and you think about her and you read Hebrews 11 and verse 23, he's talking about this very subject. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. You know, have you ever thought about that just for a second? The king's command was, if you read in Exodus chapter 1, uh, Joseph had died, Jacob had died, all of those sons had died, the descendants di died that had uh, originally made that agreement with Pharaoh. In chapter 2 we learn that a Pharaoh, a king arose that did not know who Joseph was, did not know these descendants, were afraid of them, and so he made a decree. First he made a command to the Hebrew midwives, when a child is born, if it's a male, you kill it. They wouldn't do that. Scripture says because they feared God and they wouldn't do it. Then the king uh, took up a second uh, measure and just simply made a command to all the people that when a child is born, if it's a male, you cast it into the river. Cast it into the Nile River. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jochebed did not disobey that command? She did put the child in the river. But she made provisions for his survival, for his salvation. But when you consider that just for a moment, by faith Moses was hidden three months. Moses didn't have any faith. He was an infant. He wasn't even called Moses at that moment. He had no name, as far as we know. But it was the faith of his mother among all of those mothers. How many Hebrew mothers do you think succumbed to fear? How many Hebrew mothers do you think succumbed uh, to simply hopelessness and cast their male babies into the river only to have them watch them drown, be eaten by crocodiles? But she didn't do that. 
Here was a person who chose to be that one in that moment when it was needed. And then there's Miriam in Exodus 2 and look at verse 4. Very simple verse as the story unfolds. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. She had a role to play. Could she have not followed mom's instructions? She could have. But you see, there was a moment in between the laying, laying, laying the baby in the bulrushes. There was a moment before the Pharaoh's daughter and company came down. There was a moment that someone needed to be in place to see what was going to happen and act when the moment came. That was Miriam. Miriam played the role that she needed to play. She understood that role because she followed God and God's plan and was open to it. Then there's Moses himself. You know, it's interesting, in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen is recounting these very things about which we're reading in Exodus 2, he said of Moses in Acts 7, in verse number 23, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. When it came into his heart, Hebrews 11 and verse 27 says about the same thing. By faith he forsook, that's Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, seeing him, seeing him who was invisible. Now wait a minute, we've read that passage before. Paul even talks about that to you and I, to you and me, about seeing that which is invisible. Here is Moses, when he was 40 years old, he decided it went into his, it came into his heart. All of a sudden, God just went down and said, Moses, who's this? No, you know better than that. Moses already had an understanding of what it was that came into his heart and who the children of Israel were. Where did he get that? Was it Jochebed? Was it Father? Was it others who were following God, who stepped up in a moment? Here was a man who could have been the next Pharaoh or a leader in Egypt, on that side of things. However, there were those who planted seeds in his heart. Those seeds grew, went to fruition, and there was a moment when he realized, I need to go see the people of Israel, the people of God, the children of Israel. There was a moment when Moses had to make a decision, and he had in his heart who God was. Do you understand that there is a power of one a participant. When I think about, think for a minute about uh, Ephesians chapter 4, for example. Let's go back to Ephesians 4. We won't read it all, but in verse 7. But to each of us, hear that word, each of us grace was given according to Christ's gifts. You keep reading through verse 16, you're going to hear words like every joint supplies. Every part supplies uh, does its share, New King James Version. Now Wait. Do you understand in that passage Paul was talking about the body of Christ? He was making an analogy to this body so that we would get the point. And he said that it grows up into one, into Christ. How does it do that? Because each joint does what it's supposed to do. Now, I'm not trying to be funny here, but now I, I realize now I like to sit down front because it's... Uh, it, I like to sit down here, doesn't... I get distracted easy because of myself. But I walked up to the balcony to make sure they had my PowerPoint just a minute ago. And I almost didn't get up the steps because this knee kept going, uh-uh, uh-uh. And that was so frustrating. But I ignored it and kept going. And I realized this joint doesn't sometimes do what I want it to. And it's 
Kind of aggravating. And you get that and you understand that. Now get this. He said every joint does what it's supposed, supposed to. Every part supplies its part. And when that happens, the body grows up. Don't you see the power of one uh, a participant? Very quickly, Matthew 25, we again won't read all of that, but a very familiar parable, the parable of the talents. Remember the five? Remember the two? It's the one. Oh, that man was an unprofitable servant according to God. He was cast out into outer darkness with his weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's right. Why? What horrible sin did he commit? He did nothing. He said he was afraid and he hid that which he had. God wants me to do something. If we have a chain that's strong enough to pull an entire mountain, but there's one link that's missing, and I've clicked it apparently, and there's one link that's missing then guess what? We have a problem. The power of one participant, one person. Will you be that person? But number two, I want us to think about the power of one moment in God's monumental mission. God's monumental mission is very simple. Make disciples. Teach those disciples to grow so that they will teach others and this Saturday, we've got that opportunity. We've got that need. But there's a, pardon me, there's a monumental moment. What do you mean by that? Let's think about it. Let's go back to Exodus 2. Exodus 2, verse 2, verse 3. When she saw that it was a beautiful child, she placed him in a ark of bulrushes, daubed it, sealed it, placed it in the rushes by the Nile River, had Miriam wait and see what was going to happen. You do understand something, don't you? That Jochebed had to make a decision. Am I afraid of what's going to happen to me if I found out I didn't do to the letter what the king said? She had to make a decision. Is, it, is this child... You, you do understand. Here's a lesson about abortion that isn't even in this lesson. She had to make a decision. You know, if this child does live, it's going to be hopeless. Someone has done a study on the life of rigor the rigor with which the children of Israel served and said at one point the average lifespan of a Hebrew male was three months because it was so rigorous, so difficult. You say, well, I don't believe that. doesn't matter. It was terrible. It was hard. He's better off dead. He's better off. Just, just let him go. She didn't do that. Why? Because she saw him who was invisible. How do you know that, preacher? Because Moses did when he was 40 years old. How did he do that? Because she did. There was a moment when she had to decide, will I make an influence for good? Will I serve God? Will I do what's right? Or will I just let it go? Miriam. I want you to notice verses 6 through 8. This is so pivotal here. Think about this. The daughter of Pharaoh came down, verse 5, and when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion. Who did? Pharaoh's daughter. And said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. She knew exactly. She knew what was going on. But she looked down. Now, now wait a minute. You say, well, I've heard that in Bible stories all of my life. But look at verse 7. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, "Go, shall I call a Hebrew a nurse for you from the Hebrew women? She said, she may nurse. Wait a minute. Where did she come from? Here's the entourage of Pharaoh's daughter at the uh, uh, basin or at the bank of the Nile River. They picked it up. She opens it up, a servant did, and sees this beautiful child and has compassion and said, 
This is one of the Hebrews. Here's Miriam. Shall I go? Where'd she come from? She was waiting for the moment in which God opened the door to fulfill his plan. Now, folks, if that's not Bible, I don't know what is. She had a moment in which she had to decide, will I, I'm a Hebrew girl, am I going to approach the entourage, the court of the daughter of Pharaoh? Yes. Why? Because there's a need. There's a moment in which she had to make that decision. A moment to step in that was going to close. And then I think about Moses. I think about Moses in Exodus, uh, excuse me, in Acts chapter 7 and verse 23. Uh, again, when he goes there, he's going to, uh, 40 years old, he visits. You know what happened when he visited his people? Well, if you read about it in Exodus 2, around verse 11, you'll notice there that he saw an Egyptian uh, abusing one of the Hebrews. And you know what Moses did? He killed him and buried him. And that's a, a, a involved story there. Stop for a moment. Remember what Hebrews said? That he forsook Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king, he forsook Egypt. Why did he do that? Because he saw him who was invisible. Now we can argue till the cows come home whether or not he should have killed the Egyptian or not, but that's not the point today. The point was... Moses had a moment in which he had to decide, I'm not going to get involved. This children of Israel stuff is a little above my pay grade. I'm going to go back. You know, I've kind of got it made, in case anybody had noticed, in the house of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm the son of the uh, daughter of the king of Egypt. Isn't it interesting that those factors did not weigh heavier than the fact that God's people... We're in trouble. There was a moment Moses had to make the decision. Now let's think about you and me just for a minute. Let's think about us just for a moment. In Luke 10, for example, verse 38, another sermon, the parable of the Good Samaritan. All I want you to notice about that is verse number 33. And it said, A certain Samaritan came by the way, and when he saw him... He had compassion. There's a monumental moment in the mission of God. He had compassion. How easy would it have been to not get involved? How easy would it have been to say, that's a Jew? Now, time out. Time out. And not spend 15 minutes talk about what we need to talk about, but time out real quick. Put this into your thought process. Do you understand that that Samaritan didn't on that day have the wherewithal to say, yep, I'm going to do what's right. He had already built a treasure in his heart of what was right, just like Moses had. That came from where? I don't know. But I know where, when I watch these children down here on Sunday night, when I see them in Bible class, when I have a, a devotional with my two grandchildren, that I thought, you know, there's a thought while I'm here. Uh, I'm a grandfather with two children, and I don't know what to do. They're going to run me out of the house. Hey, I know what I'll do. I'll do what I do best. I'll be preacher. But what I didn't expect is for them to begin singing songs that Doug had taught, taught them and begin to read verses, both of them, that they'd learned in, in Bible classes, in devotional books. And I'm like... Where did this come from? I didn't do this. 
because we begin to build the storehouse long before God reaches in and uses it. Don't you get that? And there's a monumental moment when we make that decision. Jude, uh, the first, the, the little book of Jude, verse 22. And on some have compassion, it says, making a distinction or making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted with the flesh. There comes a moment of decision in the monumental mission of God of making disciples and saving souls and teaching those around us that I have to decide, am I going to get involved or not? Am I going to do my part or not? Am I going to look for a part to do or not? The power of one moment in God's instrumental plan. Next slide, please. And then the power of one, uh, one puzzle piece. The one piece in the puzzle of God's panoramic purpose. Think about it. Panoramic means it's wide. God has a purpose that is broad, that is deep, that is wide, that you and I couldn't fathom even if God Himself explained it to us, we wouldn't understand it. Just like my friend next door tried to explain to me an algebraic algorithm. I, I can't even pronounce algebraic algorithm. Little, little wrong, understand anything that came out of her mouth. But I don't get it. You and I wouldn't get it. In fact, the truth is, somebody's probably going to tell me in a minute that algebraic and algorithm don't even go together. Uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't understand it if God explained it to me. But I know it exists, and I know it's there, and I know it's deep, and I know it's wide, and I know that I am supposed to have a part in it. And just like that little puzzle on the screen, you said, well, there's still plenty of strawberries left. That's still strawberries. I get it. I get it. But folks, that void is still a void. That uh, bunch of strawberries is great except for the one that's missing. And the one it miss is missing makes that hole incomplete, and it will always be incomplete. Now, I want you to think about something just for a second. What if Jochebed had chosen not to place Moses in the basket? What if Miriam had said, this is too much, I cannot, and she didn't? What if Moses had decided the pleasures of sin actually are better for me? I, I want them, and he chose to stay in Egypt. What if, understand this, the children of Israel would still have made it to the mountain? The commandments would still have come down from the mountain just in someone else's hands. Jesus would still have been in Jerusalem on the cross. We would have just read about it differently. But I want you to understand that it would have been different for Moses, Miriam, and Jochebed. Think about that. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I go back to, to 12, verse 27. We're all the body of Christ, members in particular. Now back up to verse 12, and I start reading about that analogy. He's teaching about a very important subject, but to us, a principle is there. He talks about the nose doing the smelling and the ears, the hearing and the mouth, the, the tasting, and all of those things. You see, if one of those things is missing, the whole isn't there. The power of one piece in the puzzle of God's panoramic plan. He has a plan, and I have a place in it. I don't know if you've ever heard of, and some, most of you will probably go Google. Don't Google him now, please. But James Harrison. James Harrison is uh, relatively insignificant 
in most scientific books or history books. But he was known as the man with the golden arms because it seems that when he was small, he was 14 years old, he had to have a lung transplant, and that was back in the day when that was a serious thing. And the doctors told him later, you only died because of all of these blood transfusions. People came and donated blood. If it wasn't for that, you wouldn't have lived. And so this 14-year-old boy said, when I'm old enough, I'm going to start donating blood. And so at 18, he began to donate blood, did James Harrison, every chance he got. And you know what happened? Very quickly, the doctors discovered that he had antibodies, very unusual antibodies that uh, counteracted the rhesus disease, the antibody disease that is very deadly to infants. And so he donated over and over and over and over. And at last count, he had been responsible, his blood alone, in saving over two million babies. Just a fellow who decided to show up and give blood. But if he hadn't... Now you think about that just for a moment. Now this is, is the moment when I tell you that, folks, I still have empty spots to fill for Saturday. Um... Parents, I need some teenagers, I need some young adults, and I need some college students to help fill some spots. I need some other spots filled. But more important than that, I want you to understand we're not just having Bible school. We can say, okay, good, Whew, that's done. I'm going on vacation now. That's me talking. Because I've, I've had Bible school's over. I can rest. Work on Maywood now. We'll do, do what's... We have a monumental opportunity. There's a moment for each of us. Please understand that I don't care what you do, who you are, how you play a role, come play a role. Let me know so I can place you somewhere. But as you're here, here's what I'm asking. If you're involved, you involve that person over there who doesn't have something to do. If you're there uh, and you need something to do, go, don't go say, hey, do you need me? Uh-uh. I want you to go and say, I, I, I need to serve today. I need to help today. Please let me do something. And I promise you, there are going to be moments. There are going to be moments that you're going to be involved with a child that's going to make an eternal difference and you will never know about it until on the other side. If I learn anything from the power of one from Miriam and Moses, and Jochebed, that we have a role to play. Not just Saturday, but every day. Now, do you think Moses, and I'll leave you with this thought, do you think Moses knew that day when he watched the Egyptian beating the other Egyptian? Do you think he knew that day, someday I'm going to be the leader of God's people and lead them Folks, he started making excuses from moment one at the burning bush. He had to, God had to mold him into who he needed to be. And he molded him until the day of his death. That's all of us. But Moses did know one thing, that he served a God who was invisible and that God had a need. Here I am, me, need, need, me. I get it. That's us. Don't be that missing puzzle piece. Now, this morning, if you're not a child of God, then you have the puzzle piece of your life in your own hands. It's yours and yours alone. You haven't given it to God. Satan is vying for it, and he wants it. 
He has controlling interest in it already. He wants to keep it. Are you willing to believe, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God enough that you'll repent of your sins, make a decision, turn your back on those, commit yourself to Christ. Confess Jesus as God's Son. Contact the blood of Jesus in the waters of baptism to be in Christ now and forever. If you're a child of God, if your puzzle piece has been taken, if you've taken that piece out, I want you to think about this. Have you ever seen on YouTube one of those, uh, or anywhere, those uh, mazes made of dominoes that make this elaborate, they just go forever? Those are beautiful. I want you to imagine one of those. And it is the most immense, magnificent, involved you've ever seen. It's God's plan. And for whatever reason, your peace, that, that, that moment you were supposed to feel, that place you were supposed to serve, you move that domino. And, go, and here comes those and it just falls flat. I want you to understand, that doesn't hamper God in the least. He will work around that. And He will still complete that mission. He will still unfold the maze of His plan but the void in your life is still there. But here's something scary. What about those on the other side of that domino, your spot, that were affected because you stopped? If you need to respond to heaven's invitation, won't you do it while we stand and while we sing?
this song exalted. Um, it is a new song, so it starts off soft and it builds. And then it finishes uh, exalting our Savior. No before the You will bow with me, please. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you on another Lord's Day. We're thankful for the many wonderful blessings in life that you've bestowed upon each and every one of us. Father, we're commanded on the first day that we are to partake of the loaf, the bread of life that represents Christ's body on the cross. Fathers, we do this this morning. Help our minds go back to reflect the suffering that he did. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Bow with me. Fathers, we partake of this fruit of the vine that represents Christ's blood that shed on the cross, that we, we all have forgiveness of our sins and 
an opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. Father, as we do this, help us to do this in a manner that would be pleasing unto thee and remind ourselves of the suffering that he did. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We also have an opportunity to give back to, to the church and to spread the Lord's word. There's ways listed on the screen behind me that you have an opportunity to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blessings in life that you've bestowed upon all of us. Father, we thank you for the opportunities we have to earn income, to help to spread your word, to give back to your church. Father, as we go throughout our everyday lives, help us to take the opportunity to spread your word to those that may not know you, or Father, help us to regain those that may have strayed away from you. As we give a portion of our income back this morning, Father, we ask that we do this in a manner that be pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Good morning. We do have a few announcements before we're dismissed. There was 300 in worship this morning. There will be a meeting of all Super Saturday Bible School workers Wednesday evening following services. <clears throat> Girls going into the seventh grade will have a keepers meeting Thursday, June 9th at 8 a.m. behind the Spain house. That's the house beside the tack. Also, any senior girls that have not planted a garden in Keepers need to meet same time and place. I have a card. It says, we would like to thank you so much for your concerns, comments, texts, calls, and prayers over the last year during David's extensive illness and sudden passing. It has been very overwhelming, and we could not have gone through this without all of you. Thank you so much for the beautiful ceramics as well. There is nothing like a wonderful church family. We love you, Martha and Harley Yates. In the bulletin, just uh, there's several reminders there you might want to look at. I uh, want to point out that there will be an elders, deacons, and ministers meeting today at 2 o'clock in the annex. And, of course, remind everyone again of next or this coming Saturday, June 11th, we will have our Super Saturday Bible School. If you'll bow with me, we'll close with a word of prayer. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we Leave here today, God, with hearts full of joy as we're reminded again of your grace and how amazing it is. We thank you, God, that we get to come here and worship you and sing songs and say prayers and be in your presence. God, we ask that as we go out into the world that we do things in a way that are pleasing to you and that we show others the example that, that your son Jesus set for us. Please forgive us where we failed you and help us do our best each day to live our lives according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.